to the Wellness Journey Podcast from the St. John Vianney Center. I am Nancy Santamaria, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to journey with you and to hopefully provide you with information that will help inform and inspire you. Our podcasts are aimed at keeping you healthy in mind, body, and spirit. This is podcast number 39. The title of today's talk is The Way of Discernment. During the day, we have so many decisions to make. And we have found that decision-making has been even more of a challenge in COVID-19. Partly because our decisions have been affected by those cluster emotions, for example, fear and anxiety, the unsettledness of not knowing the future. We seem to be coming out. We seem to be emerging from COVID-19, but people are still getting sick. And there is still pressure around illness. We can always grow in our ability to make holy decisions that greatly affect our lives and the lives of others. We make myriad decisions that color our day. Think about it for just a moment. Do I get up when the alarm goes off? What shall I wear? What will I have for breakfast? How can I prepare for my day? Do I listen to the music or the, or the news? When do I say my prayers? What time is mass? What hours do I give over to ministry? How do I fit in fitness and healthy, healthy eating? When do I make time for my social life that so benefits me? More and more decisions. Our days are colored with many decisions. We call those minor decisions. They're momentary. They're not weighty. They don't cause major consequences. And yet there are other decisions which have broad consequences, not only for our own lives, but for the lives of those around us. Perhaps some of you follow the rule of Augustine or are familiar. He says, no one shall do anything for themselves alone, but all your work shall be for the community, done with more diligence than if each worked for their own profit. Imagine a world where everyone included the concept of making their decisions, even personal, these personal decisions around what is good for the family, the neighborhood, uh, the local community, the church, our world, in fact. I'm kind of simplifying this into minor decisions, major decisions, and then, well, what is discernment? We talked about some of the minor decisions, but some could be larger than just what you're going to have for breakfast or what you're going to wear today. Others are major. Uh, what to do with my life, what to do next in ministry, uh, where to live, uh, what 
education to follow, etc. And discernment, marrying what is God's will for me, a kind of alignment with receiving grace and praying about decisions, the Holy Spirit's influence. Again, some examples might be where to go in relationships, how to follow our education, our life vocation, career path, a lifestyle, certainly moral considerations, large purchases, employment and transitions. Jeremiah says, for I know well the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare, not for your woe, so as to give you a future of hope. Take this with you into your holy decisions. So by way of definition, pause for a moment and think about what words come to mind when I ask you, how would you define discernment? And maybe write that down or hold it in your heart as we continue our conversation. What elements comprise a holy decision? One definition, holy listening. In Christianity, the word may have several meanings. Discernment can describe the process of de determining God's desire in a situation or for one's life or identifying the true nature of a thing, such as discerning whether a thing is good, evil, or may even transcend the limiting notion of duality. Many times, the most frustrating discernment choices that we have to make in our lives are not about not about a choice between a good and an evil or a good and a bad decision it's it's between a good and another good they're the most confounding decisions are they not in large part it can describe the interior search for an answer to the question of one's vocation namely determining whether or not God is calling one to the married life, single life, consecrated life, ordained ministry, or any other calling. And we would add to that a whole list of things that we would call important decisions. First, we'll discuss the Ignatian four-column approach. This, this one that I'm talking about distills it to 11 steps, and I might embellish on a few of these steps, but to simplify it, I would say it's called four columns because it has to do with two columns, a pro and a con, and another two columns, a pro and a con. Con. So I'll explain that as we go forth. I would also include that prayer is, is almost before, after, and during every single step in an effort to align 
our will with God's holy will for us, God's love for us. So the first piece is identifying the decision to be made or the issue to be resolved. This is an important part because sometimes the resolution is in the definition. So coming up with a statement like, I will remain in ministry at St. Alice School, for example. And uh, usually there is a negative to that, positive and a negative. I will not remain in ministry at St. Alice School. Uh, some people find it easier to have two statements, both positives. I will remain in ministry at St. Alice School and I and the other positive, I will move to my a new ministry at St. Jude's School. Either way, we need two statements for the four columns. So formulating the issue in a proposal, and we pray for God's openness to God's will and for freedom from prejudgment and addictions. So in Ignatian spirituality, this is called holy indifference. It doesn't mean that you're indifferent to the outcome of the decision, but that you're, you care so much that you're willing to surrender your will as much as possible at any given moment to what is the will of God. And looking for that through this process. So prayer. The next piece is also pivotal. Gathering all the information that you can about the decision. From the most practical things to the theological things, to the emotional things. Uh, every single piece of information that's, that's, a, that's necessary. And the list can be quite long or they can be short. So it's important to note that it's not how long the list is that will help you make the decision. It's how important each item is and how much weight each item carries. Again, you see, pray for openness to God's will, to be as indifferent to the outcome as you possibly can, not that you don't care, but that you care very much. And you care about what it is God wants for you. We'll pause here for a moment, just letting those steps be absorbed from Jeremiah or from Psalm 111. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments, his praise endures forever. For some, the prayer of surrender comes around to the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, 
trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him in the next. So we're pretty familiar with the first part of the prayer, but there is also the second part. The next three steps in this distilled 11 step uh, Ignatian four column approach to discernment is to state all the reasons for and all the reasons against each alternative in the proposal. So if using my example, the, the pros and the cons are in Ignatian spirituality, as you may know, is the consolations and the desolations, the advantages or the disadvantages for, for my example, for staying in ministry at St. Alice School, for example. And then also for the other statement, whatever you proposed, the negative, I will not stay at St. Alice School in ministry. And to do a formal evaluation of all the advantages and disadvantages, that is to look over these lists and to consider each, each element, each item on the lists, to pray over them, and to see where your heart is around the totality of those lists. Observing the direction of your will while reflecting on those advantages and disadvantages consolations or, or, or desolations. So it just kind of looks like this in terms of giving you a visual. What are the four columns, you may say? Advantages and disadvantages, advantages and disadvantages. And if your community or your local uh, community is involved, uh, you, you can amend this to your own discernment, whatever you are trying to make a decision about. And you see here, I just use stay in my current ministry or go to a new ministry. This can take quite a bit of time. And in fact, all three of the modalities that I'm presenting today can take quite a bit of time. It depends on uh, the time that you have and the investment you're able to make and whether or not you're seeing the benefit of it. The last three would be asking God to give you feelings of consolation, right? Ignatian prayer is a lot about uh, using the imagination and tuning into the emotions. Give, asking God to give you feelings of consolation about the preferred option. Again, prayers of surrender and trust that as you make the decision, even though you're not certain about it. And confirming the decision. One thing that I might add here too is that Ignatian discernment encourages a period of time living as if it's not it's not fortune telling it's it has to do with i've made the decision to stay in my ministry at st alice school 
And then living as if you've made that decision for a day, for three days, for a week. And to notice, maybe journal, maybe speak with the spiritual director or your Anamkara, your soul friend or a group of, of, of people that whom you trust who are helping you make the decision. What, how does it feel to have made that decision? And what, what, what feelings come forward as you live out a day or three days or a week or longer with the sense that you've made a decision in that way? You could experiment because of course you're going to amend these strategies to your own needs. You could live out the other decision also and see how that feels and journal and talk and pray about it. Noticing the, the emotional import of the decision and that made the important information for you as you move forward with your decision. Another modality for making a holy decision would be to spend some time reflecting on the line of your life. I call it the lifeline. It's based on a business model, but it can work very effectively in working out personal decisions. So one begins with as early as possible, and it, it can even be written on a, a in a line, uh, starting with the earliest decisions that you can think of that you made in your life, and working through childhood, adolescence, young adulthood, up right up to the present moment, to the decision that you have to make in this present moment. You take the most important decisions and note them and note how you made those decisions and what happened as you made those decisions. What was the result? I say here, one reflects on how one made those decisions and eventually you can see that certain themes begin to emerge. For example, I made most of those decisions impulsively. Or I made them based on what other people told me to do or somebody else's needs. And you bring this all to prayer considering what were the consequences of the ways that you made decisions. This could be pretty powerful. You can see how your values come forward, how you lived out your values in the way that you made decisions sometimes in a healthy way, sometimes in a not so healthy way. And it is possible, which is why we're having this conversation, to make a decision even now in a very different way than you ever have before. In doing this exercise, awareness can surface from taking the time with the format that can powerfully change the decision-making in this moment and for the future. The wisdom that can emerge from writing out the lifeline and praying about it 
may result in making a decision in a very different way than one had expected before embarking on writing the lifeline of decisions. In all of these modalities, we give prayers of thanks for each step of the way. So I just simplified that. Write down the major decisions in your life from first memory to the present moment. Notice the ways that you made the decisions and notice any patterns that emerge. The lifeline, that concludes the second modality for discernment. And another modality I think um, might have some of its roots in Parker Palmer's uh, circle of trust. Uh, and I, I have participated in, in decision-making this way, holy discernment, um, calling it a wisdom group meeting. So the person, yourself or someone else who is has a holy discernment to make, gathers together, formulates a group of the names of a group of people whom you trust, who are in your inner circle. And it is good to, to appoint some one of that those persons to be a facilitator who keeps time, who keeps everybody focused on the task at hand, and who in general facilitates this, this meeting, which may be one, a one-time session, or it might be more than one session. The person who's making this discernment offers within a, a, a certain set, a set time slot, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, whatever, divided the time as to everybody's ability to be there, etc. what the needs are. But the person just shares freely about the discernment. What are the, what are the um, various routes that one can take? What are the feelings connected? What are, what's the obvious solution? What's the, what's the not very obvious way to go? Whatever seems important to speak freely about that in an, in an allotted amount of time. And this is a contemplative process also in that there can be silences in between each piece of the session. The friends may want to ask questions which clarify things for them before they give any input or feedback. And again, I'm repeating, it's important for silence to enter in so that the, the thoughts, the feelings, uh, the various ways the discerner could go, all of that is absorbed into the spirits of the people who are, who are in the session. After that, each of the group of trusted friends gives some kind of response, input. Not necessarily solutions. It might be evocative questions 
for the discerner to take with with her. It may be feedback. It may be pointing out something that's missing in the in the situation. For example, one session I was in around this modality, the person seemed to have already made the decision. Someone in the group said, well, it seems like you're not considering the negatives because it, it, it's as though you've already made this decision and you turn every possible negative into a positive. <laughs> The person agreed and said, okay, but there are negatives and then was able to uh, embellish on those negatives. Prayer, silence, uh, clarifying questions are all appropriate. The discerner might take notes so as to remember not, not only the, the ideas and the concepts that the trusted friends are offering, but also language that might be different than their own language. There might be some phrasing that's different. It might be good to remember the words that, that the others are presenting in that session. So I think I just distilled it down to, this is the li a listening circle where one person facilitates, one person shares the decision that is at hand, the others ask clarifying questions, silence, a period of silence can be taken at any interval. Others may offer what they're hearing, new elements for consideration because they know this person. So they know this person's uh, strengths and weaknesses, gifts and talents. And also where, where they may need growth, or it may be a situation where there is a potential for growth and challenge. Understanding that they're in the inner circle of, of this person's life. I'm gonna stop there for a moment, just to pause. We've talked about the Ignatian four column approach. And we've talked about <clears throat> the um, this last one, the listening circle. And we've talked about writing the lifeline. Ronald Rollheiser offers this. Finally, and not least, Jesus teaches that we see the world accurately only to the extent that we are pure of heart. When he said this, he wasn't just talking about having purity of heart in order to see straight religiously. He was affirming that purity of heart is a precondition in order to see straight in every way. And he continued in the same article, when you are looking for stars by which to guide your life, scan the heavens widely. Don't lock in on one narrow corner. There are many stars, each with its own particular expertise in giving off light. This uh, quote reminds me to tell you that I've offered you three modalities for making a holy decision. It may be that you amend this process for yourself 
with a combination of elements of two of them or of all of them, finding what works for you, remembering that aligning yourself with God's will is the most important piece and how to do that. Lastly, Brian McLaren has done a, a podcast on uh, various biases that we hold. <clears throat> uh, he, he, he wanted to make all of them start with a C. So he, I wanted to mention this because our complexity bias can influence our holy discernment. So I think it should probably be called simplicity bias because it has to do with the way that our brains are wired, we, that our brains are wired to more easily appreciate a simple lie or a simple concept rather than a complex truth or a complex concept. For example, I don't know if Brian McLaren would use this, but but I do. For example, when Jesus says, uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, we even now are confounded by that because it is a complex concept. It is much easier for us, our brains to grab onto an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Our brains are wired to hold on to that simple lie or simple concept rather than the complex com concept or the complex truth. Holy discernment has a part in this, in that sometimes a complex truth is part of our holy discernment. So it makes it not an easy task. And that we are really called forward from our decisions, from our holy decisions in our lives. So we pray to become free of our biases that will naturally play into making decisions. Your ministries involve surrendering to God's time, pondering and taking action steps organizing diverse programs, collaborating with teams, deep listening, ceaseless prayer, guiding discerning spirits, practicing self-compassion along the way, and being spiritual leaders in your communities, in your church, our world, and much, much more. I'm offering this very uh, well-known prayer of Thomas Merton. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know 
that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. And from the very short prayer at the end of the, each of the days of the surrender novena, Lord Jesus, I surrender all to you. Please take care of everything. Simple prayer of surrender while you're making decisions in holy discernment. You've been listening to the Wellness Journey podcast from the St. John Vianney Center. I hope today's topic, The Way of Discernment, proves useful to you. You can find all of our podcasts and additional resources for clergy and religious on our website at sjbcenter.org. Click on Resources. We are companions on your journey to stay healthy in mind, body, and spirit. We are the St. John Vianney Center, and our mission is you.